Support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services, and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeasts and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability, and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, we brew with you, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Lau Brew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing Co. UK. Lau Brew Verdant's IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them on social media or visit www.lalamandbrewing.com. Hi there everyone, uh, my name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewers Journal and I'm very happy today to say we are here at Hackney Brewery and I'm joined by John Swain, co-founder of Hackney Brewery. How you doing John? Hello, I'm good buddy. Good to see you. Yeah. I feel like our sort of trage- trajectories, should I say, have kind of like aligned a lot in you know, the last couple of years. Um, yeah. When did you come and do the, like the... It was around Christmas time because it was cold. It was cold. Um, it, and there was a good group of you guys there and several canines, which was always joyous. And, and several other people. Just, and several just other, other people, yeah, people. yeah. It made, it made uh, Hackney Brewery look like Slipknot with the amount of people <laughs> on, on, uh, we were on the cover. We were all just our faces. That's not our mask. <laughs> that, no, that's fair. That's fair. But they were all really cool people and yeah, it yeah, was a, good bunch. a great time but um for people that don't know things have changed a lot since then yeah so you came to see us in the railway arches yes in haggerston yeah which is where we started we started in one and then we got two and then uh we decided that railway arches are probably a bit too small and not quite suited to what we want to do going forward so um pre-pandemic if we want to talk about the before times uh, we had this place lined up, um, and then the pandemic hit, and everything put on pause, and everything closed, and it became very difficult to do anything. Um, luckily enough, we had uh, a lot of support from the community around where we were, and we did a pay it forward campaign. So we wanted to open. A, we knew when we were going to move, we wanted to open a, a tap room because we never had a tap room in the old site. Mm-hmm. It was all one side was a basically this brewing facility and then the other side was was a cold room and offices and that was it that was it that was and it was cr- it was full it was full of stuff yeah pallets and I pallets recall. and pallets so yeah. to start work we had to pull out like 20 pallets and then uh and then we could begin and then at the end of the day we had to, to fully clean everything because uh, those just were quite damp and wet and quite prone to being moldy if you didn't keep on top of it 
So we had to clean down and then bring the 20 pounds back in. The amount of work we were adding to our day was, was quite significant. So um, no room for a tap room. No. So we wanted to make sure that the new, wherever we moved to, we didn't have to move 20 pallets before we started working. Uh, we could clean it down a lot easier and it was uh, uh, a, a, a space that was suitable for a tap room that we can have. Uh, the idea was to have it open all the time, which uh, it hasn't quite happened because of, I think, Monday to Wednesday is always going to be a hard ask for yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of trade. I mean, we're not we're not we're not in a central position here. We're out in Walthamstow now, or Waltham Forest. We're right right by the um, the wetlands reservoirs. So yeah, just Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the moment. We did when we first opened, do the full week, and it became quite clear that Monday to Wednesday wasn't quite the. Uh, the turnout. I think it's all a learning curve, isn't it? Yeah, About learning what, it what, what works, what doesn't. Obviously, today it's a little, uh, a little quieter. No brewing going on, but obviously a lot no more brewing. of the other side, which people could hear in the background. But this is the beauty of recording and shooting in a. Yeah, the machines and the bubbling. It is, the, and, uh, and it's great. And you know, it's you could put that on the sort of rainforest <laughs> sound app thing, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> for people to fall asleep to. But um, I mean. I, I love the old place and location was great. I think location... Location here, was wonderful, yeah. But I think location is, is different here, but it's also great. Um, there's obviously a community which we'll touch upon later, but I imagine the tap room, in addition to more space, tap room must have just been really high on the, you know, the, the agenda of things you want from a new spot. Yeah, we, we, so we, the, that was inspired from our trips to, to the US. I think Pete went to Seattle. And I spent a lot of time in New York, and it, it, it seemed like every tap room that we went into, it was tap room focused, and there was a brewery there. <laughs> but it, it's a, that yep. similar vibe of yep. just like we make it here, we sell it here, yep. and it's a dedicated space for 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 people to visit, for, for people to be kind of like immersed in our in what we do and how we do it, and and how we kind of present ourselves. And so we wanted a space like that. And I think in the UK, tap rooms are, or can be, well, I think it's changed a bit over the past few years, but they, they've always been uh, a space that during the week is kind of production heavy and then gets turned into uh, a tap room yeah. with that wheel out a bar or change it around. I mean, it, it depends how, how often you're, you're kind of going to be open, I guess. But um, I feel like in the, in the States, tap rooms are almost like destination yeah. spots where you go there, even if you're not into beer, you're going there for a, 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 an experience, something to eat. There'll be other drinks. You yeah. can bring children, yeah, you can bring yeah, dogs, yeah, yeah. Uh, other animals, I'm sure. Um, and, it, and it's more of a day out. And, you know, places like, you know, Treehouse, or for instance, huge queues picking up, you know, pa uh, like slabs of, of different cans. Uh, for the next week, two months, or whatever, you mm. know. Um, There's a different culture over here, though. So, yeah, so we were trying, so again, as with our beers, we kind of blend that kind of English traditions with uh, American flavors and American styles. So, big, hot, bold flavors yeah. and with sessionable ale strength English malt backgrounds. So, yeah. that's, and, and, and the same with the way we kind of present the, this brewery is we'll cater for kind of everyone with mm -hmm. it in a kind of the style but we but we don't have that uh kind of 
queuing culture. <laughs> Despite no. English people loving a queue, we, yeah. we don't have that for beer. And I, I think that's uh, an interesting trait that we haven't taken. It's a bit of a strange one from for, I think, for, for our perspective, looking at people queuing. It's just like... I think mm. space seems to be a bit of an issue. Like in the States, obviously, because goes saying, you know, land mass is far greater. Yeah. If you've got the resources, time, money, personnel, you, it makes sense to do the tap room because if people are driving yeah. however long to get there, yeah, yeah, you yeah. need to give them reason to stay, not rather than just pick up the beer. Mm. I mean, if you were opening a brewery today, would you even consider it without a tap room? No, no not at all. It's um, from a freshness perspective of beer. I mean, it doesn't come. It, it, it goes to one, minus one degree here in yep. tank. Yep. It gets packaged, put in a, a five degree cold room, and then gets moved to a three degree cold room and is direct drawn through straight straight through to a wall yep. into the yep. glass. So and it so it never it never travels, it never goes above, you know, five degrees. And it, the, we turn around everything in, in a couple of weeks. So it's it's, it's super super fresh. Yep. I mean, a lot of the time we. We brew into, into, and, and it comes into package and it's out that week or maybe the week after. So it, even if you drink it in London, we only distribute into London really. So um, if you're drinking a pint of it, you know it's only going to be a couple of weeks fresh yeah. anyway. So it's, That's always been a calling card, I think, of Hackney's beers. I think yeah. for a lot of London, because like, that's the, the you know, it doesn't travel. You know, you're not traveling it across the country or over the water or, um, yeah, it, it London, London beer being drunk in London pubs is the, is kind of a fresh take on yep. on everything. So yep. it, it's um, and it going to the tap room removes even one of those steps of, of really good beer in London. So it's um, yeah, yeah, it's good. To, I wouldn't open it without one. It's no, um, for sure. Hundred percent agreement. Yeah. I think. Um, <laughs> obviously, I think you know in, in any business to exist, you know, to, to even start a business is an incredible achievement to exist five, seven, ten years down the line. And yeah, then you are now 12-ish? 12, yeah. 12 so, in July, we, we hit them. Is that a milestone? Not really a milestone. 15, I guess, is the next. Yeah. But, I mean, in a competitive, crowded landscape, something to be incredibly proud of. Yeah. It doesn't feel like 12 years. In I mean, some ways, it does feel like 12 years. Yes, but, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah. but it you know it feels like yesterday we've been in this site now. This is our third summer in this site. Wow! Yeah. It feels like we've just moved here. It's yeah. just like I think it was opening during restrictions and sure. post lockdown, whatever chaos was happening then. Uh, it's probably kind of added to the, how, the fact that how it doesn't seem so long ago. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's I been, think times been warped for a lot of people. Yeah. And what, yeah, what, what yeah. happened when? Yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> you know a month can feel like a year ago and the other way around, really. I mean, so, yeah, 12 years, started it with your, your friend and colleague, Pete. Yep. Um, can you tell us a bit more about how, how the idea of Hackney came about? Um, so we, so Pete and I met at the Eagle in Farringdon. Yeah. Legendary pub. A legendary gastropub. That Does it not have the reputation for the first gastropub? Or? Uh, I think they like to think themselves as the first gastro pub, okay. but I know that there's some contention. But I will always consider them the first gastro pub. But uh, uh, the facts around it, yeah, the, yeah. Re the records of that day. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so yeah, we, we, we met there and I was working in the music industry alongside that. And we, I kind of had enough of it to the point where uh, I left, I left the, I left the music industry side of things and was when went right, I want a change of career, I want a change of pace. Somewhere that's maybe a little bit more hospitable to, to exist because <laughs> the music industry is notoriously difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um so we so I so we went back to the Eagle after after leaving with my studio job and was chatting to Pete, uh, Mike, the owner of the pub and we uh, we were they were talking about starting their own pub. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I could get in on that. And uh, at the same time, a friend of mine, Toby, offered me a managerial position at another pub. So I thought, okay, well, I could get in with this group of guys starting a pub, but I can get some experience, managerial experience with the Charles Lamb. And uh, I thought I'd only be there for a year while we look for a site. Three years later, we were... Um, in a position where over those three years Pete and I were like homebrewing after yep. a drunken night of of chatting about how my dad used to make fruit wines in the air and cupboard and his granddad used to make like kit beer out of like a tin and we were just like what the, how does it work how do you do it how do you do beer yep. so I think we um I think I got home and ordered a home a small homebrew kit it was like a bunch of buckets basically and then a, a week later it all arrived and we we, I met him in his kitchen. We started homebrewing, and uh, alongside all the other things that were going on, of course, just got really into it. And so, like, three years later, still couldn't find a pub. We, the other guys who were involved with starting the pub, went to go and do other things, and it was just me and Pete that were left. But over those three years, we were, we had the opportunity to visit um, a load of different breweries that had just kind of opened, like the Colonel, Camden. Uh, Brodie's, mm-hmm. uh, Windsor and Eaton. Uh, we even got a trip to the Green King at some point, but it was a cool, it was amazing, build, amazing building. Yeah. Uh, and then we we were considering it uh, maybe an option, maybe we could just find a little shed somewhere and brew some beer because we had we had plenty of friends who ran pubs, so we were like, okay, potentially that's a a thing, and had some great support for some from the early days from some of the locals who drank in the in the pubs that we were in and managed to get it get a railway arch and a brew kit and some experience from uh, a couple of courses that we went on and we thought oh it's just big homebrew that's just <laughs> yeah, all it yeah. is and it turns out it's not it's far more involved <laughs> what, what what were the first beers like um not how we were expecting them to be because the scaling up process is it's not just a case of like multiply everything no it's um the efficiencies all change at different stages so initially our apa was was quite dark quite bitter okay and it, and that you know it's evolved over the years and probably hasn't stopped it in fact it's, it's kapow now so yeah. the the uh, the lineage of recipes kind of go very back to the beginning obviously we don't make a best bitter anymore or or a golden ale so much but um the 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 roots were all kind of still there for those kind of beers and uh yeah that's kind of how we started just wanted a change and uh we we got we got lucky with the timings i think we we started in 2011 
uh, a week after us, I think Beavertown started, a day after that, London Field started. I think by the end of that year, there were 30 breweries in London. And we, when, we, when we started, there was like less than 10, I think, pro- like proper breweries. Yeah. A couple of brew pubs as, as well. So, But it's still a lot of hard work and effort and determination to st- stick at it. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. It's good timing, but also that's only part of the equation. I mean, you said you wouldn't open a brewery now without a tap room. Yeah. For, and <laughs> it's great to see there's still London breweries opening up yeah. and elsewhere yeah, yeah, in the yeah, UK yeah. and beyond. Um, what's the sort of one or two pointers you'd give to a brewer, like a potential brewery founder, owner now, starting out? Um, at a very different time than it was in 2011. Make sure you got good funding for marketing. And uh, it's difficult. So it depends how what you want to do within uh, the business. So I tend to do a lot more of the production side of things. Uh, Pete tends to do a little bit more of the, the back office admin, logistics, basically all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you need everyone being in their A game, really. Works, yeah, he you works know? very hard behind the scenes. So it's... Um, I think if you're starting a business, know know what you want to do, and if you if you want to just be a production side of things, uh, go in with it with someone who knows the business side of things because it's it's not as clean cut as you think it is. No. It's not just like make it and sell it. it no. There's there's so much more that's, that it just doesn't get shown. Doesn't no one really talks about. No, no. We talk about you know, duty rates and. Yeah, I feel yeah. like there is, obviously there's so many breweries now and so many brilliant beers, but there is still a, a potential gap for people that need that, yeah. that, that helping hand. Biz, business guidance is... Yeah. Um, is yeah. Yeah. So you moved from Hackney and now we're here in Black Horse Road, um, home of the Black Horse Beer Mart. Yep. I mean, going from your, you know, your production facility there that didn't have a, uh, a way to sell beer direct to something now that's part of this burgeoning, brilliant beer community i guess so yes must be idea. must be great we had um so old old neighbors down the road from from us in hackney like 40 foot beaver town were over the road for some of it and then moving up here where there's four or five within a stone's throw and then another couple over the reservoirs it's a proper community if you're short on something someone's got it it's one of those everyone helps each other out it's, yep. with it's it's buzzing you know we're all we've all got a very different take on the way we make beer present beer and um the things that we have in our in our tap rooms they're all very very different yeah. and so it's it's very very eclectic and it's quite a, a journey as you travel up yeah. the mile into yeah, all, all the different spaces yeah. and how different beer can be yep. on different brew kits with different ingredients and it, it's you know, we've got like 20 taps here all of that's different beer over the road's got like another five or six different beers and yep. then like add it all up there's must be like 100 100 odd beers on this on this mile yeah i'm gonna need to get get going soon <laughs> if i gotta get through all of them to be fair but um but that's it it's you know di- different breweries different identities different beer styles it's, yeah. it's really fascinating and obviously the types of beer styles that hackney produced over the years as you touched upon you know a best bitter mm. early on and then kapow and evolution of an apa i mean hazy you know hop forward pales yeah brilliant so we've got a core sour now as well it's just like that that kind of style didn't really exist no no for a long time and and i think you've 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 made your name on really drinkable sessionable beers yeah of which 
sort of millions of peaches, the peach yeah. and basil sour, mil, millions of Melba. Yeah. You've really got a, a real good following of those beers. Yeah. Can you uh, share maybe some of your process or brewing secrets? I mean, how you make beers like that that are so drinkable, so balanced, and as a result, so popular? So the Millions of uh, series kind of came from uh, one of our old brewers. Uh, well, it came, from, it came from a series that we did. So one of our old brewers, Darren, he, he suggested we do a sour beer. And then I was just kind of getting into them with like a Siren Calypso. It was a gateway yeah. back in the day of, of, of sour beers. I was like, this is great. I remember having a, like a hot summer day with my mate and we were necking pints of it. It was great. It's quite a little low ABV. It's quite yeah, sessionable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were like, okay, let's just let's, let's give one of these a go. Let's see how it, how it works. I mean, it's a bit more... It, back, back then, we used to brew it with um, uh, lactobacillus strain, where you'd kind of part boil it in the kettle. And then we... I think the first one we did actually in the kettle as a, as a proper kettle sour. But then we moved on to the, where we were using fermenters because our fermenters have got heating elements in, mm -hmm. so we can hold the temperature at, at 40 degrees like pretty consistently, which made a huge difference from the the kettle to the fermenting sour. Anyway, uh, and then you'd run it back, and then you'd spend ages boiling it. Now we use um, Philly sour for okay. the Philly, Philly yeast, which is kind of you treat like a normal beer. You do a proper boil, and then you run it off, and then it, it ferments in two stages where it drops a pH, and then it ferments the sugars. So uh, the original projects that we were doing were called the Stooge Project, where we would brew a batch of something as a base beer, and we would split them into three tanks and then do three different things with them. So this, this the Millions of Peaches came from that was one of them. I think one of them was a dry hopped, one of them was uh, just a goes, so salted, and then the other one was uh, peach and basil. Darren had come up with the idea from a cocktail that he had out one night hey, and it was like peach not? and basil it was quite tangy and it was just like okay we were like let's give it a go and it turned out to be the best selling out of the three and we, we decided to make it an annual mm -hmm. like full the next year we did a full batch of it and then it's kind of grown to now being uh, in demand so it's, it's core it's a core range we make it all year round now and now our annual is, is billions of so it's like a double version yep Yep. Uh, where it's essentially the same recipe but with just half the water and it's 8% and it's uh, but in theory double the peaches but it's the same amount of peaches but half, <laughs> yeah, yeah. half the volume if that makes sense so that's a hard one to get hold of because that's a very popular beer yeah I mean, it comes we, and goes yeah it, 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 it gets so we kind of do them annually so um, peaches was two years ago cherries was last year and we we will probably do peaches again for, for, for next year great stuff great stuff so you were uh, um, which I appreciate at our Brewers Congress uh, last week and um, speaking, and I didn't mean to flow this in this way, but you were speaking to your friend Basil yeah, um, from Finback. And you've made no secret of your uh, sort of love of American yeah, brewing scene, uh, American beers. I mean, what do you think we can, we touched upon the taproom side of things as well. Um, um, I feel like, like beer popularity ebbs and flows from certain scenes but I feel like mm. there's like an ever-present respect uh, for the US beer industry in the UK I mean what, what can we learn from 
what's well, going on there? from from what Basil was saying in the in the Congress, he was saying that that, that time is 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 changing the way that people in in the U.S. perceive beer. So, it's not so much focused on the hype around the handful of breweries that just seem to have, have jumped onto something. It's now the longevity. So the ones that have been there for 10, 12 years now are getting more consistent uh, purchasing. Like, so the growth of the, the more of the consistent side of the industry, opposed to the flash in the pan, this is a very popular one, this is a very popular one. Um, the hype has kind of died down. I think post pandemic as well, yeah. where people had they weren't going to the pub, they had access to the internet and, and home deliveries and they were drinking at home, they got to experiment a bit more th from trying different stuff from their local brewery, from breweries a bit further afield, something a bit different. I think it certainly opened up a, uh, a, a different route into discovery of beer. And so now this post side of it where people aren't so driven for the the latest release, they're, they're, they're happy with the consistent quality of stuff they were drinking over the lockdowns. And, uh, and going forward from that, I can, I can see it being a big force and a big driving force of, of how the industry will change and grow over the next couple of years as we all still recover mm -hmm. from all of that. It's, um, they just want reliable, consistent, sessionable beers, apparently. So that's, it's good for us because we've always been doing that's it. That's it, yeah. And, and for people that want to come and visit, Hackney yep. Brewery, what, what are the, um, the opening times of the tap room? Uh, Thursday, Friday, 5 till 11, Saturday, 12 till 11, Sunday, 12 till 8. Excellent. And if, can you order online? You can order online at hackney.beer. And there's a shop on there. Easy so, as. Easy as. Great uh, stuff. And yeah, come and say hello. There's local pubs, Trick, ask them to stock it if you want. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. Uh, we'll do. And what can people look? look forward to for the rest of this year and into new year with any sort of plans you can um, allude to so we've just us. released our annual stout with thin man yeah um we, we managed to petition off a little bit into barrels so um there'll be a a, a very small release of something very special early next year so okay. like february kind of time we've got a, a collab with abyss coming out i think in the next couple of weeks Great. so that's that's currently in tank that's yeah. um uh, Idaho 7 and Eclipse kind of hop, hazy hoppy like 4.5-5% kind of easy drinking Sounds pale great. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a, a great brewery and um, yeah that's just lots of lots of little great bits great beer good yeah. times absolutely great stuff John great to see you as always cheers mate thank you so thanks today to John Swain, co-founder of Hackney Brewery. As John said, you can hit them up online or even better, come and see their fantastic new space. Well, I say new, still new in my it's eyes. It's still new. It it's is still, still new. new. It is um, here on the Black Horse Beer Mile. Thanks again and see you next time. <laughs>